Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to uh, the book of Colossians as we are in part two of this. We started last Wednesday and we're just walking through this book as we do so many other marvelous books of the Bible. I love the book of Colossians. I don't know, uh, some of you were here uh, back a few years ago when we did a series actually in this book. We called it Colossians, the book of the king where dad and I, when dad was pastoring this church, we tag teamed and did a series on this book. And uh, it's good to come back and revisit it again after all those years, in this way, in this format. As I've said before, Colossians is um, very similar to the book of Ephesians, written right around the same time, and it has the same kind of MO to it. Uh, Ephesians is made up of six chapters, Colossians of four, and half of the book is dedicated to, the first half of Colossians, first two chapters and first three in Ephesians are dedicated to who we are, who we are in Christ, our seated position in heavenly places, what that means for us, and what we are, how we are seen in the eyes of God. And then the next two in Colossians, the next three in Ephesians, are about how to live this life, who you are and how to live your life. I love that. And so we're going to, right now we are in the place where we are understanding who we are, but really this book of Colossians is really to magnify the lordship and the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that means for us, how that has elevated all of us, in our experience, in our existence, in our, in our spiritual experience, and even in our lives here on planet Earth, because He is highly exalted. And the Scripture says in, in Colossians 1, we're going to start in verse 13 tonight, and it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Who did that? Jesus. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And I, I mentioned this verse on Sunday morning, talked about how and we started a series on Sunday mornings called The Power of Your Words because we are all citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world, though we're in this world, we're not of it. And so we don't behave like everyone else because our citizenship is in a realm that we can't see. But it is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And it is a kingdom that is full of life. It is a kingdom that is full of God's blessings and abundance, and we access things from that invisible kingdom into this visible world through invisible words using the force of invisible faith. And that is what is extraordinary about our existence as the children of God on the earth. And Jesus helped us understand this truth. Some people don't understand that. They just don't understand that you can just say something and it comes to pass. It's very foreign to a lot of people, but Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, which is what we see, as it is in heaven, which we can't see. That is, call that invisible thing into existence. You declare it with your mouth. Declare it to be so. And my family, you are where you are in large part because you have talked yourself into where you are. Your words are building the world in front of you. Your words are out there as building material for the future you're coming into. What kind of life do you want to live? God has given you His word. He's given you His promises to declare into your life, into your family, into your job, into your health, into every aspect of your life and see the reality of the word of God above the circumstances that the world offers. Because we're, we're not called to just take life as it comes to us, to just become victims of circumstance. No, we are here to overcome. God has given us His 
strength, his ability, his power, his son resident on the inside of us so that we can live in victory. It is God's plan for you to live in victory. Think about it. Heaven is the final victory. That's when we say goodbye to death, pain, sickness, disease, hurt, violence, all that once and for all. All right? That's what he's leading us to. So we can have now, right now, Jesus said, call here on the earth like it is in heaven. In other words, you can experience heavenly things here in your earthly life. Amen. So he's conveyed us from dark, brought us from darkness, delivered us from darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Thank you, Lord, for that. He delivered us, it says, from the power of darkness. Now, the Greek word here for power, there are two primary Greek words that we find for the word, anytime you see the word power in the, the New Testament. One is dunamis, and it means a right now power to act, all right? It is the action. The, as, as Jesus had the Spirit come upon him, and, and he empowered him to do the work. But then there's the word exousia, and it means authority or right. This right here is the word exousia. So he's delivered us from the authority of darkness. Ooh, well, that's powerful. If the darkness don't have any authority over you, then it doesn't have any power over you. That's why when the enemy comes at you, now he can attack you and he will attack you from time to time. But if you do not allow his attack to get a foothold, if you do, and he, he, this is how he attacks. Lying through his teeth all the time. Like a roaring lion. That means he's always saying something. He's always accusing. All right? And if you start to entertain that, that's when he gets a foothold and that's when he begins to do his best to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's come to do. All right? So he's roaming about seeking whom he may devour. He may not just devour anybody, especially you who will not give him permission. He has to have permission. He can't just do whatever he wants. If he just did whatever he wanted, there would be planes falling out of the sky all the time. There would be chaos, mass chaos all around the world all the time. And the world is chaotic at times because there are some here in this world who are allowing him entrance to bring chaos. It happened today in Florida. 17 people are dead in a school. School shooting today. The enemy's at work in the earth. And I don't ever want to come to the place and trying my best not to come to the place. And I know you all can agree with me where you still are shocked by something. Right? School shootings have just become more frequent and where you hear it, and it's almost in one ear and out the other. God help us to, to feel the urgency of this and to lift up our voice and declare your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not to just go, wow, that's too bad. No, this is terrible. We cannot allow the enemy to continue to do what he's doing. We, the church, are here to make sure to be representatives of the kingdom of God, ambassadors for him. And that's why you need to take authority because he doesn't have any authority over you because you've been delivered out of that. Amen. So now Jesus said, behold, I give you power. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. All right? But if you don't exercise it, what's the point of having it? Hmm? Let's pray for these victims in Florida. Father, we lift up all of the families, the loved ones of those who have incurred this terrible tragedy. Lord, they are at a loss for words. They don't understand what's going on. Lord, they're confused. They're grieving. They're hurting. And I pray right now that you do. We pray together that you do what only you can do in the name of Jesus.
That is to bring comfort and peace in moments like this. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's something that we cannot conjure up, but Father God, it's real. It's you, your word says you are a very present help in times of trouble. Help them now, Lord. Help them. Be with them. Strengthen them, Father. Thank you, Lord, that the, that the gunman was apprehended, and we pray, God, for justice to be done here. Lord, we thank you right now that you are able, you're able to take moments like this, tragedies like this, and somehow make good things come of it. Because you are good and you do good. Thank you, Lord, for helping them. Comfort them. God, help our nation. Protect our schools. Protect our children. Protect our people, Lord. Bless our police officers, our firefighters, all of those that are working in that realm, Father, that you would be with them, our paramedics and doctors and nurses. God, help them. Just give them wisdom and understanding. Protect them and give them insight. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your help there. Thank you for praying with me there. He's conveyed us into. So your enemy does not have authority over you. See, here's, here's what's, what's cool. is that, that means that the laws that govern, the natural laws that govern the, the earth um, are not the sum total of your ability or your limitations. Now, I don't recommend you just go jump off the building and say, I defy gravity. No, that's just stupid. All right? That's I'm talking about, I'm just talking about... A, Faith is a realm that exceeds natural law. Just ask Joshua. Joshua, by faith, said to the Lord, Son, stand still. Who, who thinks like that? Yeah. Who thinks that? I think we just need to stop the entire solar system so I can finish this. Who thinks that they could even pray like that? Well, that was a special circumstance. He was a man. God's no respecter of persons. He just happened to be crazy enough to believe that God would do it for him, and he did. He did. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. We say God took him, people died. When the scripture says God took him, they just went to heaven. He didn't even die. He said he did not see death. How does that happen? Because death is a surety. Hmm? Is that great band of theologians, the Foo Fighters, once said? It's a shame we have to die, my dear. No one is getting out of here alive. And that's true. Unless... Unless, if you can believe, all things are possible. I know this stuff sounds ridiculous, but faith can't be reasoned. It, it, you, it's not even in that equation. Faith is not governed by the senses. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I just want to encourage you to remember the kingdom that you're a part of and remember the God who is able so that you will always believe and not get caught up in skepticism and man's reasoning and religion where you get boxed in to a certain way and just kind of accept things as they are. What difference is Christianity if, we're at, if, if we see just the same old things everybody else does? If we're not experiencing the power of God, the touch of God in our lives, how can we seriously be effective in this world if they don't see any difference in what's going on in your life than theirs? How can we really show it? Well, I'm, I, I'm, at least I'm disciplined. Okay, well, there are lots of religions that are disciplined, more disciplined than us. The Muslims pray three times a day. 
we could maybe start there. But, I mean, come on. There are a lot of religions that, that teach good discipline. The Christian experience is far above just good discipline. We don't, we don't need to just modify our behavior. We are dead in our sins, and we need to be made alive. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Amen. And when you're alive in Him, guess what? It does affect your behavior. But we need to see miracles in greater, in greater ways. We need to see signs and wonders. And those things are those which follow believers. But I'm, 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 I just want to see more believing believers. You know, there are non-believing believers. I have friends that, and I love them, they, 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 certain denominations. And they, they're, they're kind of non-believing believers. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in miracles, and I don't believe in the things of the Spirit. I don't believe that those are applicable today. I think those, all those things passed away based on almost one verse in the Bible taken out of context, but, you know, whatever. But I've seen miracles. And I tell my friends, tongues has passed away, but I speak in tongues. How do you answer that? Well, you're a blasphemer, <laughs> heretic. At least, at least they'd be honest in telling me that because I know that's what they think. Uh, okay, anyway, I need to get, move on. All right. He is the image, verse 14. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Aren't you grateful for redemption through the blood of Christ? The forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. This is good. The firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. In other words, he's what God looks like. When God became a man, ooh, he showed us what he looked like. And then we thought, wow, he looks like us. Yeah, because God said, let us make man in our image. Verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Who's this talking about? Jesus. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. In other words, he is the man and the God, the God-man. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church. Oh, I love that. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. All right, you see what, how this is so Christ-exalting. I love this. So Christ, He is before all, He's in all, all things were made through Him and for Him and by Him, nothing was made that was made. And one key thing here is He is the firstborn, did you notice that? From the dead. He's the firstborn, now obviously this is in reference to His resurrection, firstborn from the dead. So you know what that means? You know what that's really saying about Jesus? Jesus actually is born again. Born of a virgin womb and born of a virgin tomb. First born from the dead. Wow. First born among many what? Brethren. I want you to look at John chapter, no, not, not John. We're going to skip that, Brooke. Uh, ver, uh, hmm. Isaiah 26, 19. Sorry. Isaiah 26, 19, it says, Your dead shall live together with my dead body. They shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs. 
herbs. And the earth, watch this, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Wow. The earth shall cast out the dead. What that means is Jesus' second birth reassures that all of us who believe on him are also born again. And not only that, but we'll all have a resurrection ourselves. Everyone who believes on him will come out of their tombs, if you will, and never to die again. Because the death he he died, he dies no more. Therefore, the death that you die, you will die no more. Aren't you grateful to God for that? That this is an assurance that you and I, because he rose, you will rise to everything Jesus did, he did for our experience. He came for us. He was crucified. Paul said, I'm crucified with him. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ living in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And also, because he rose, I'm going to rise. As sure as he was crucified, so was I. Just as sure as he's risen from the dead, so will I. I will rise. I love that song. All right. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him, watch this, all the fullness should dwell. Did you see that? It pleased the Father that in Jesus, his Son, all the fullness should dwell. And this is so important that the Bible words things like this. Because there are these cults that are out there, and their doctrines fight that truth right there. Um, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, those are a couple to to name. Um, Because Mormons, they don't believe that Jesus or his father, Elohim, is the only God. They believe that even his father had a father and his father had a father and his, and it goes on and on. They don't believe that in Christ all the fullness dwells. The Jehovah's Witness don't believe that Jesus actually is God. They completely deny his divinity and say that he was a prophet or just a man like us. But he doesn't allow you and I to think like that. He said some pretty crazy things. He, he, we can't just categorize him like we can other people. Can't do that. Can't compartmentalize the one who said he's the only way. You have to deal with him. You have to face him. And either confess he's Lord or confess he's out of his mind. But he is Lord. Verse 20, and by him, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 21, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Now, I want you to notice the language of this. He says, once were alienated and enemies where? In our minds. By wicked works. You know, I've invited people to church before. I still do. <laughs> Probably should do that. I don't want to be the only one, though. And I hear him say things like, oh, if I walked in there, the roof would cave in. They're an enemy in their mind. They think God is angry at them or disappointed or doesn't want anything to do with them by things that they've done, by their failures and by their faults and by their own sinful conditions. So the, the, the mind says you're an enemy. He's an enemy with you. You're not friends. Enemies in their minds. 
by wicked works, yet, watch, yet now he has reconciled. I don't know if you caught that or not. It does not say, watch, now he is reconciling. It says, now he has reconciled. You see, right now, that which was is a right now reality. That reconciliation that has been done is a right now reality. Now he has reconciled. So you don't get tripped up in thinking that it's back there. No, it's now. What was there is now, but it's still there. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that better than that, but I'm sorry. In the bo- how did he do it? How did he reconcile us? How did this happen? In the body of his flesh through death. That is, he died the death that you and I were supposed to die. He was punished. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, right? The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. So he surely, he bore our griefs. Surely he carried our pains and our sorrows. Wow. In the body of his flesh to present. Now, why did he do it? Right here. Here's the reason. To present you. This is amazing. Holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, I don't know what you think when you think about how God thinks of you. But I I bet I can guess from time to time in your life, and maybe tonight, you think that God is thinking negatively towards you. And you'd be wrong. But I feel that way. Get over it. You're not living in truth. You're not feeling the truth. This says that Jesus, listen to me, Jesus took all the wrath of God upon himself. The Father poured out all of his wrath on our sin. If he didn't, if he didn't, then Jesus didn't take away the sins of the world. He had to take all of it on him right there. Now Think about how extraordinary this is. So his wrath was satisfied, and he did it once for all. The price has been paid, and now the Father now sees a reconciled world. I know we're living in this world, and we're going, it don't look that reconciled. But we have to see this through what Christ did, not through what man is doing. Man cannot reconcile himself. If all the violence in the world stopped, if people ceased to sin, it still, they still could not be reconciled. We are reconciled not by works that we've done, but by His work, by that final work on the cross, by His death, His burial, His resurrection. That's what sealed the deal for us. He reconciled us. And so because Jesus did it, now He did this to present us, God, whew, Oh, God, help us to see us like you see us. Help us to understand this. Now he did this to present us holy and blameless and above reproach. I don't know if you ever look. You might not, not tonight, not right now in church anyway. Google this sometime. What is required for a person to become a saint? And I mean, it's a circus. It's all kinds of things that someone has to do before a council can come together and vote, bing, they're a saint. Well, not according to this. Because the word holy here, you know what it means? A saint. It lets, in the Greek, it literally means a saint. To present you a saint. Wait, who's presenting you a saint? You or a council of people? Or is Jesus doing this? He's the one who reconciled you. He's the one who suffered like he did to present you through his suffering, through his sacrifice, a saint. Yeah, you need to think higher of what he's done for you than what you feel or what you've kind of reasoned in your own mind. Because this is the truth. 
And let me tell you something. You get this truth in, in you, if you become aware of this, you believe this, this truth will set you free. You won't struggle with the th- same struggles that you've struggled with. You won't keep tripping up over the same stuff. This will cause you to walk taller. This will cause you to live better. This will cause you to think better, talk better, and act better when you really understand how God sees you through his son. Holy. He will present you holy by what he did. Now watch this. The word blameless. It's pretty self-explanatory, but it means faultless or without blemish. God is not a fault-finding God. He got over that. The law is a fault-finding law. But thank God, in chapter 2, I can't wait till we get to chapter 2, it says he has taken that law out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Hmm? That was the fault-finder. But here, you're faultless, without blemish. So, so far, in his sight, you're a saint, you're faultless, you're without blemish. Now watch this. Then it says, and above reproach. This means that cannot be called into account. Unreprovable, unaccused, blameless. I mean, it seems like he's reiterating, but he needs to reiterate this so that we will hear it again and again and again so that we can really get this truth to sink in. This is what Christ has done for you and I. Say this with me. I am holy. I am blameless. And I am above reproach in his sight. Because Jesus has done that for me. Mm. So what can we do about this? Walk by faith. Walk by faith. I'm almost through. You guys are too quiet for Valentine's. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in faith. There are no articles in the Greek, so it's not the faith like I am a defender of the faith. It's actually if indeed you continue in faith, all right? Grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. You're not moved away from the hope of the gospel. What this means is keep believing the gospel. Keep believing. Keep your faith on Jesus. Never put your faith in yourself. The moment you start to steer away from him, that's when trouble comes. Hmm? That's when things go awry. That's when things go bad. When you start believing in yourself more than or you need to add to what Christ has done. No, he completed the work. One last scripture. Can we go to one last one? It's only 8.05. All right. Galatians 5, right quick. Galatians 5, verse 1. Watch this. Look what Paul says to us. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Who made you free? Christ. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, you know, you could preach that like some kind of sinful habit or, not, uh, you know, And you shouldn't be entangled with any of that. But this isn't talking about that. There is a sin it's talking about, and we're going to see it, all right? It's not about going to bars and smoking and all that, like all the stuff I heard growing up. (laughs) Anyway, indeed, I, Paul, and you shouldn't do those. I mean, really, you should be healthy. You shouldn't smoke, all right? Do I really need to give a disclaimer? Okay, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become, watch, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. I read that, I was like, well, shoot, man, my parents didn't give me a choice. But what, in the context of this, 
In the context of this, he's not talking about just being circumcised. He's talking about being circumcised for righteousness' sake, all right, to somehow clean your, yourself up, whole, uh, become holy, all right? He's saying if that's the reason, if you become cir- circumcised, then right now you just got off of Christ. Now you're trusting in fleshly efforts to somehow justify you. Don't be entangled with that yoke of bondage. Christ made you free. Watch, verse 3. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. He said, let me remind you, if this is the way you're going to go, you have to go all the way with it. You don't get just to pick and choose little laws here and there. You have to keep the entire thing. If that's where the road you're going to start down, you got to keep all of them. Matter of fact, so many people that I have, uh, I know people who, who, as Gentiles, want to live as Jews. I don't know why. I have no idea why. But they want to, they say, I, I keep the Sabbath, so I go to church on Saturday. I say, okay, do you work the other six days? Well, I work like Monday through Friday. Then you don't keep the Sabbath. That's not keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath is six days shall you work, and the seventh you rest. That's the whole of the Sabbath. You don't get to just say, I go to church on Saturday, and that means the Sabbath, and work however many hours I want to. If you're going to keep the real Sabbath, you have to work six days. You see, you can't just pick and choose. The law is harsh. People think they want it. They don't want it. You don't want this law because it's a hammer that's going to grind you down. It's going to beat you and grind you into a pile of dust. Everyone who becomes certain that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. See, now you kind of see how denominations are formed. People's thinking, just kind of pick and choose what they like, and then hate all the other stuff. Very convenient. Okay. Verse 4. You have become estranged from Christ. Watch. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Ooh. See that? He's not talking about someone who's tripping up in some sin and, you know, have, having difficulty. He's talking about someone who has decided they're going to believe in themselves more than they believe in Jesus. Even after hearing the gospel and deciding, I'd rather live by the rules. God help you. Verse 5. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. How? By faith. Not by works, but by faith. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Oh, that was worth coming to church for right there. And we're going to end with love since it's Valentine's Day. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. I hope this has encouraged you and blessed you, challenged you, irritated you maybe. Encourage you, encourage you more than anything, really. Because in order for us to grow, you know, we need all of those factors. We need that conflict. We need that agitation. We need that, that encouragement. We need those things to help us. Sharp iron, sharpening iron. Amen? Praise God. Let's lift our hands to the Lord for a second. Lord, thank you for your love for us. That if it wasn't for your love for us, we would not even know how to love. In this is love, not that we loved you, but that you first loved us. And for that, we bless you. Thank you for this great gift of love and what that love has done for us and how that love motivates us. And that's the, that's, that love is what fuels us in faith, faith working by love. 
Not love that we have for one another, love that we receive from you. Woo! Thank you, Lord, for that. Faith working by the love that we have received from you. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself and not holding their sins against them. Thank you for that. Help us to walk out of here tonight free in this thought, fully aware, having a greater understanding that it's Christ in me, not by works of righteousness that I've done, but by his mercy he saved me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for pulling us out of darkness, delivering us from the power of the devil, and bringing us into the kingdom of the Son of your love. And we bless you. Now, may you go, Lord, with these tonight. I think as you've been with them and they're coming in, so they're blessed and they're going out. They are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last, victors, never victims. Thank you, Lord, that you caused them, Lord, to wherever they go to be blessed and to prosper, and whatever their hands touch, it shall prosper. Thank you, Father God, that you bless their children. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord. Great shall be their peace. Peace in their marriages. Peace in their bodies. Peace in their minds. Peace on the job. Peace, peace, peace wherever they go. In Jesus' mighty name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.